Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Peter Agostin. You're tuned into another episode of my weekly podcast, The House List. I appreciate you coming back. I'm having a lot of fun doing these. I'm working with my good friend, longtime friend, CJ Stewart, editing and engineering, putting these together. Um, and this week's episode is no exception by any means. I traveled way up to Woodlawn in the Bronx from Brooklyn, an hour and a half on the subway. So if you live in New York City, you know that that is from one end to the other, more or less, to chat with Just Dice at his place. We talked about the Bronx. We talked about growing up in New York. We talked about the music industry. It was um, a fun, incredible conversation. If you're a fan of his music, I know that you will definitely get a lot out of this. He doesn't do a lot of interviews, so I, I felt particularly privileged to be able to do this, and we did it at his, at his crib, standing up, playing music, exchanging stories. It was, it was cool. It was very cool. So sit tight. Check out my conversation with the one and only Just Dice, only on the house list with Peter Agostin. Check it out. Me, him, Mick Jagger, and Ron Resnick all up on the, in Wembley in one of those big windows. He was all just smoking weed together. <laughs> he was just all of us just sitting there. Saying, and I was like, I said, I said, damn, Mick, you got some big fucking lips. <laughs> he started cracking the fuck up. Right. I was like, yo, man, you make black people listen to little. He was like, I hear that shit a lot. So it was the same promoter that brought you. Uh, brought us over there in 86. Yeah. yeah, Morgan Khan. He's a cool dude, you know. It was a hell of a show, man. I mean, the show was to me. I like the show in, in, in Germany in Amsterdam. It was right. cool. It was nice, you know, because it was it was more party. Right. It was right. more party. But the one in London, it was like very professional like type shit. Very professional type shit. And people was coming out with my album that I forgot I even fucking made. Really? And they covered vinyl. Not even CDs. Like the one I made with Grandmaster Flash. I got it on vinyl. Oh, CD. Masterpiece. I got it on CD. Right. These motherfuckers was walking up with it on Vinyl. Right. This shit right here. I've never seen this before. They oh, wow. Walked, I've never seen this They either. walked up to me with this shit on vinyl. Wow. Amazing. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. The, yeah. The reissue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, just uh, as I was getting ready for the interview, too, like, you know, going over, I mean, there's, you know, it was at least in the 80s and 90s, there was eight, seven or eight full-length albums. So... You mean mine? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I got um shit, man. Now that I've been overseas, I have more albums than I fucking realized. Right, right. I mean, it's albums over there that I didn't even realize was put out, but I always knew I was getting money for it, and I right. saw it like through ASCAP. Right. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Who cares? I'm getting paid for it. Right. You know, now I see. I, I mean, I'm even on an album with the Cold Crush Brothers. What is that? It's some kind of hip hop album. Really? Hmm. The Cold Crush Brothers is on there. I'm on there. I was like, I've never seen this shit before. The weed smoke ain't gonna bother you, really. Not at all. Okay. Yeah. No, I just, I, you know, I, I, I actually went through some uh, health stuff the last couple of years. I, I had a trans, I had a kidney transplant. Whoa. Um, a year ago, exactly. Uh, well, in July last year. And last time I seen you, you was a little heavier. 
Yeah, I mean, I was probably you was never drinking no real, a lot. You was, no, nah. you was never no real nah. big dude anyway. No, never. No, nah, I've always been pretty slim. Yeah. But uh, at the club, I mean, I was also drinking a lot like at the club. Now, too. Like, now you look a little younger. Right. You yeah. Don't look, you don't look as worn as you did before. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, I was like, you know, smoking cigarettes too and stuff back then. So, at the Newton uh, factory, you were yeah, smoking? Yeah, yeah. Not, I, would, I never see you smoking cigarettes. Yeah, not in the club. I was always like, I kind of tried to. Keep it away from people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, so unfortunately, the thing is, because I'm on this uh, immune suppressant meds, like uh, amazingly, and I didn't learn this until afterwards, that um, just uh, that they're like, yeah, you should don't smoke weed because it um, uh, conflicts with the ProGraph, which is like the main like suppressant med I'm on. Or, or it, it, con- it clashes. Yeah. So yeah. you can't smoke no weed. Either. Yeah, I can be around it though. It does, it's really not a problem at all. But. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, whatever. It's a small compromise. Don't worry about but, it, man. Just, yeah. get your, just get your health back, man. Yeah. You should always be here. I know that's for, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's been a year, so I'm actually like doing like. Uh, you still in contact yeah. with promoters, right? I mean, um, with, with promoters and book book like booking agencies. Yeah, yeah. So I started my own agency. So I, I basically was after the knitting factory. I um, had went straight into. Uh, I tour managed a tour, then I, I started working at one agency. I was there for about three years. I moved to another one for about three years. And then when I got sick, because I was on dialysis for a year as well. Wow. So, like, uh, I just, it just kind of forced me to have to start, you know, doing things. I uh, basically started uh, working from home. Reevaluating your shit. Yeah. Reevaluating your shit. Yeah. That kind of shit makes you reevaluate shit. Yeah. You don't have many options, too. Like, you have to start thinking. Uh, in a completely different way, you know. So um, I started my own booking agency. That's good. And uh, yeah, but I'm still uh, in touch with, you know. So I'm I'm always you, in touch with promoters. Are you booking though? Yeah, I'm booking sh- I'm booking tours and shows. Hip hop. So it's a mix DJs. of genres. Yeah, it's DJs and hip hop, but some bands too, and just like kind of enough to keep me, you know, active in a lot of different circles, so I can, you know, because I'm working for a commission basically. You did. That's right. You know, I'm working for myself. Yeah. So there, unfortunately, there's no salary or benefits or anything like that. So I have to grind. Would, the more show, the more money's in your pocket. Yeah, yeah. And this podcast too is something now as a side thing where I want to kind of, you know, um, develop that side of my career because I know a lot of people beyond promoters, but artists and journalists and all these people too. Where, uh, and I love stories. And I came, my, I started in radio too. So it, uh, in the early '90s. So this is like a side thing that I'm hoping can. You know, turn into some well, another revenue stream. Hip hop, man, it's gonna be strong. It's right. Gonna, you know, it's just you just have to do it in a way that everybody else is not doing it. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, you do it in the same formula that everybody else is doing it. It's like crazy people. There's a lot of them now too. You, know, yeah. you, you do the same thing over and over, but you're expecting different results. That's a crazy right. person. Right, right. You take, you take, you take the formula, but you more or less formulate it to you, not right. the standard formula. Right, right. You take the standard formula. But then you make it work for you. Exactly. Well, yeah, that's why I'm hoping to not just talk to artists too, but you know, people that are behind the scenes or, or really that uh, that rarely do interviews too. They have no, the really. greatest stories yeah, too. Yeah, I really do interviews. Yeah, and now was why I appreciate. It. I mean, so just so since you know, I started. I'm starting recording right now. So, um, and I might have to get a little kind of close with the mic just because it is an. I hold it. Yeah. Just talk. Yeah, cool. So I can amplify this shit through my system. Well, well, <laughs> well you can even see the level here too. Like uh, this is it. So I mean, as long as it's kind of like this, this right here. Yeah, but I can That's I can hold it too because oh, it's kinda, two mics. Yeah, it's sort of a stereo mic. So I will kind of keep it like in this. Right? I won't keep throw it in your grill. Yeah, but, no, no, we're good. We're good. Um, Just ask the way. Yeah. So even you know where where are we right now as far as in the Bronx? Is you know I took a train from Seventh Ave in Brooklyn. So the F train to the four train. 
we in Woodlawn. Right. You in the Boogie Down Bronx. You uptown. So this is like the north northwest Bronx, right? Or is this what would you? This is more like um, the northwest, right. right? The northeast would be like um, Mount Vernon, right? On Which that is just side, north of on, us the, right on here, the other right. side, the number two and five train, right? That would be going to right. Mount Vernon. Over here, you're going up into um, oh, what's this shit over here? Oh gosh. When you leave the Bronx from here, it's not like R Riverdale or anything like that. That's no, you pass that's Riverdale. It. No, no, we Riverdale is going in a different direction. But if you if say like Jerome Avenue, right, you keep going up Jerome Avenue, you right. hit two thirty third Street. After that, you in Westchester. All right, yeah, Westchester County probably right. You in like, Westchester yeah. County, yeah. Right. Um, you up here, you, you you up here in the BX. Yeah, which is great. And my yeah. man Graham was at Theodore. Can you see his building? Clear? Not too cloudy. But Theodore's building is right over there, past them trees. Wow. It's a building over there. Grand was a Theodore. The beatbox, Rozelle, mm -hmm. is right down the block. Oh, okay. He's in the neighborhood. That's cool. All of yeah. this, a lot of us. Sometimes you might see Curtis Blow down there. Really? He's okay. having an apartment over there. Right. Um, Kevy Kev, the, the, the fantastic five MCs. Yeah. They used to live right down the street. They just moved to Parkchester. Amazing. On the other side of the Bronx. Right. What's up with Fred? You, you still DJ? Yeah, Fred one is still DJ, right? Let's talk to that motherfucker. Right. Yeah. He with his kids right now on the weekend. He's playing with his children. So I, I tried to I tried to bother him on the weekend. Of course, because he's with his children. But he's um, from the Bronx as well. Hell yeah, Fred, yeah. Fred, Fred, Fred is from um over there by Bedford. Right. He's, he's out over there by Bedford Avenue. That's like about maybe ten minutes here from right, here. Right, right. So it's like all of us are like, I'm not Bronx born. I'm Brooklyn born. Right. But I was Bronx raised. When did you move to the Bronx? Like when? At what point in time did you did you come up as like? As an adult, when well, you were making records, know, or no, as a kid, I don't know, man. you moved here up well, here with your parents. My right? grandmother, my grandmother, um, she moved to the Bronx whew, when Castle Hill was still being built. Wow, because we lived down there. Because I mean, even though I was Brooklyn born, I was always either in Harlem or Brooklyn. It was going back and forth. But then when my grandmother moved to Castle Hill, I was going from Fort Greene, Brooklyn, to Castle Hill. And I mean, right. at a young age, I mean, like about maybe from seven, seven on up. Wow. You know, from seven on up, and um, at a certain point, I was living in Fort Greene in Brooklyn, but going, no, I said it backwards. When I was younger, I was living in Castle Hill in the Bronx, but going to school in Brooklyn. So I would have okay. to get up every morning about 4.30 in the morning to get ready to get on a train to wow. be in school at 8 o'clock. Wow. But then as I got older, as I was living in Brooklyn, I started going to Stevenson in the Bronx. Wow, so I had incredible. to leave Brooklyn every morning to get to Stevenson in the Bronx. So I just said, the hell would I'm moving to the Bronx. So that's high school then, right? Yeah, that's right. high school. Yeah. yeah, Stevenson is high school. I completed high school, and I went to college. Yes, I'm not an idiot. <laughs> and where? And you were born in Brooklyn as well, right? In Fort Greene? Or where? Fort Greene. Yeah. I was born in Fort Greene, um, Brooklyn Hospital, on the corner of Ashland and Navy. Were your folks uh, New Yorkers? Or, or, well, my mom's, she's from Jamaica, but, you know, she, she was born she was, she was was born there, but she was raised here. Right. My father's from down south. He was... I don't even, I don't know how them motherfuckers met. I wasn't born. <laughs> right. You have brothers and sisters too? Or? Yeah, I got one sister. I got one sister. Yeah, that's it, man. Right. That's it. One sister, man. So you're the, yeah. I'm so the youngest. Yeah, okay. I'm the black sheep of the family. The whole family. <laughs> when did they, when did, how did they take to when you were started making music? I mean, was it a. I mean, of course it's going to seem like it's happy on the outside. Motherfuckers jealous as a motherfucker. Right. All the motherfuckers is jealous on the inside, man, for real. I don't fuck with none of them people. Right, gotcha. Your story as an artist, which I know pretty well, like, you were kind of, like, independent on your own, like, as far as, you know, you worked in clubs for, for many years before 
or was that I before? Was I was a yeah. bouncer. Yeah, so I'd love to talk about that part of it too because it is a big part of New York history in general. Yeah. And was that even before before any records yeah, came out? Yeah, yeah. It was just it was just a club. Work. It was a club on um, Canal Street called the Reggae Lounge. Cool. Okay. So what yeah. was that like? Shit, them Jamaicans was crazy. Yo, from I think maybe eight or nine to one thirty two in the morning, it was playing like mosh pit music, banging all that crazy right. shit. That was the easy part. Okay. <laughs> that the was the clientele or what? Yeah, I mean, them guys coming crazy, the little mosh pits and all that banging music. They, the, yo, the radio lounge was dope. They had the speakers coming out the floor. Wow. You could walk on top of the speakers and you could see the speakers moving. And Amazing. You feel, yo, that, yo that, that lounge was dope. But then at 2 o'clock, man, when the Jamaican music came on, the fucking Jamaicans was nuts. Right. <laughs> and this was, I mean, this was, if it's it was like Canal a, Street, they're com- mostly they, coming from, from Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Yeah. From Brooklyn, yep. They all come from Brooklyn. And you know how you, you have to go get searched and everything? I would be at the side door. They'd be like, yo, Brad, you're here. Oh, there's $50 here. Go ahead, nigga. You ain't yeah, shooting don't me, even, though. Yeah, I'm like, right. you don't give a fuck who you shoot. Just don't shoot me. Mm. If we're real, give me, yo, right. you know what I mean? Yo, I got caught doing that. I got fired. <laughs> <laughs> I got fired. And then um, after that, I just started, I, I, I did a club on Snyder Avenue. I didn't like it because it, it was a Caribbean club, but it wasn't Jamaican. Right. I got tired of that fucking music. And then they, they started getting deep with that shit, but shit I couldn't even understand. It wasn't even patois; it was some other shit. Wow! So I was like, "Yo, okay, that's it. Now I'm not I'm not coming anymore. Pay me, right. I'm gone." Right. And then just started going from club to club to club to club to club, and then like you were doing punk clubs too, because that's I like kind of how how the history reads, at least on the internet. Looking back, the only like, punk club was the, was the, the, the reggae lounge. The reggae lounge, right? But the reggae lounge was a big punk club at that time. Right. So what year is this? Probably. Oh estimate. God, this is like eighty four, eighty four. 83, 84. Okay, so Something really like, like just a couple years before you started making rec- putting records. I started rec- putting records out in 86. Right. You know, so yeah, it was about three, four So years. you were kind of seasoned. I mean, obviously you were you probably were going to parties and going to clubs and stuff before you were working the door. Too, oh, right? yeah. yeah. I, I grew up going to parties. I, I mean, I used to sneak into parties. Right. I got my ass beat for going to parties for my grandmother. <laughs> right. Because I was like, I was young, but I was always a little bigger than the other people right so and but the people that i hung out with were older than me and my grandmother knew their parents see my grandmother worked in the local school up there right public school up there so all the kids knew my grandmother and all their parents knew my grandmother and goddamn it she made a point to know them this is in the bronx this is right? in castle right. hill right yeah, when i was younger so it was like when castle hill was first being built and the first families or second families was in there it was more community more, it was no gangs. Was no. It was always drugs, but it wasn't like drugs like heroin. You know, saturated the, the needle, saturated the, the lobby floor. None of that kind of nonsense. Mm. It was more or less like, I know your parent. If I see you doing wrong, I'm gonna tell your parent. Oh, you ain't gotta call me. You see my son doing wrong, just whoop his ass and then tell me. And I'll understand why. Right, that right. kind of shit. Right. You know. So it's, I mean, it's obviously a pretty tight. It was community. A very, yeah, and it was. You, you'd be surprised, man. I remember one day, man, <laughs> we play hooky. We was about, it was about, it was all the sound masters. I ain't gonna name the name, but it was all sound right. masters. And it was like about 11, 12 of us. And it was the community center that we always go to. Right, which you even mentioned in Going Way Back. You know, right. the community yeah. center. So one day we were bored and we were hungry. We didn't have no money. We was playing hooky. We was like, yo, let's go rob the community center for their food. <laughs> right, okay. Everybody was like, okay, everybody, and this is when we had the light bulb that you could twist in and out. Everybody grabbed, we went around to all the floors in the building, took out. Had, so let's go to the light bulb. We ran up the back stairs, and we, this is how stupid we were. 
These were all senior citizens in there. Oh my god. Of our 11 of us just ran through the back door. Yo, what's the stick on? They all damn had heart attacks. Oh my god. We ran in the kitchen right. and stole three boxes of veal. <laughs> 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 and ran out the fucking center. The big heist. Right Yo, there. why did we do that? Neil knew each and every one of us and oh our god. parents. We all got our ass whooped that night. I bet, yeah. All wow. of us. And they was all on the phone talking about it. Right. Neil was like, Miss Poe, you won't believe what your son did today. Him and his friends, who? Junior Murphy, Denard, Ken. I was like, oh, he named everybody, everybody, everybody fucking body. Right. <laughs> and he wow. had the phone number because we all went to the center. Right. And now that some, some of our fucking older brothers and sisters and cousins were. <laughs> oh, my God. Yo. They was coming home. Yo, you know what they did today? <laughs> we was bad. We was bad when we were South Masters. Yo, we would have we had fun. I mean, we had fun, but it wasn't the kind of fun where you go around just hurting people. We we, we it was a party. Oh, you like still okay? Break out and break out and came to Stevenson one one weekend. Okay, I was on punishment. Everybody else was. I'm I'm like you know I'm going to the fucking party. Right. About 11 o'clock at night, I said, oh, time in for the garbage. Mm. <laughs> okay. Go around the house, collect all the garbage, grandmother half sleep. Boy, where are you going? I'm just going to empty the garbage. I'll be right back. Man, I go to that fucking celebrator, please, garbage can. I'm out. <laughs> right. I'm out. Neighbors come out. I did that shit so many times. Neighbors come out. They be like, uh-huh. He snuck off again. Knock on the door. Bam, bam, bam. Miss Poe. He's supposed to be emptying the garbage? He left it. She be like, that goddamn boy. Oh, my God. Now, Okay. I go to the party. I'm having a good time. I already know I'm coming home to an ass woman. Right. So you might as well stay out I'm anyway, not right? I'm staying the fuck out. But staying out late over there at that time was like, what, 2 in the morning? Right. And I'm with my friends. It's a community center yeah, anyway, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, no, Stevenson was right in our, right behind Castle Hill. Right, okay. Stevenson High School was right behind Castle Hill, right? Oh, so you it's got, a jam in the high school. Then, yeah, right? so you, yeah. Walk through, you walk through the back of Castle Hill, you walk through Jamie Towers, right. and you come right, you right there at Stevenson. Right. Stevenson was actually like about seven minutes away from Castle Hill, walking. Mm. Wow. Walking, right. So you know, I didn't. I didn't have no money, so I snuck in the window. Went in there, had a party. Blah blah blah. blah. I get home, get my ass whooped. I knew that was coming. Right. Next day, everybody talking about yo yo blah blah blah. I'm like, yeah, I was there. They was like, yo, you was there, wasn't you? How'd you get? You got your ass whooped. That's what my <laughs> friends were. Yo, you got your ass whooped. Why are you outside? I'm not on punishment. You get you get your ass whooped. You're not on punishment. Right. Yo, so you're I, free I, to go. I got a mini. I mean, I'm sorry. I remember one time Bam was in the park right across the street in Castle Hill. And my aunt lived in a building looking right above the park. She could look out her window and see the whole park and everybody wow. in it. Time to empty the garbage. <laughs> okay. She was up that time. She was got on the phone. She was like, Mary, look out the window. See if you see that boy down there. Yeah, little May, I see him. Hold on. I'm going to send Kenny downstairs and get him. My cousin Kenny, uh -huh. at that time, that was like, don't even try to fight him. Really? Okay. Don't even try to fight him. So he was like the enforcer. He was for me, yeah. They were go get Kenny. So Kenny come down and says, I feel somebody, you ain't supposed to be here, right? Get your, get, come on. Right. All my friends, ah! <laughs> right. And here come my cousin B, the girl. You got him? You got him? Yeah, okay. To take his ass upstairs. That was in the party for me. Wow. So did, this is where the, the justice name was born. Nah, the, nah. There, right? just, justice was born in the state when I was locked up. So this is obviously this, this later is before, on. This is before. Justice was born when I was like 12 years old. This is before. This is way before. Oh, really? Okay. This so, is way before, man. I, mean, right. I, I, I tell motherfuckers, man, I was doing this hip-hop shit since I was a kid. And when I mean a kid, I mean a fucking kid. 
Well, you were there right when, I mean, at, at the parties right when I was, was right started. there when they were yeah. starting. You know, I remember, I remember the first time I even heard um, <clears throat> Baby Huey. Wow. I had to be like about six or seven years old. We was in 735 Bryan Avenue in Hunts Point. My man, Pee Wee, Pee Wee, my, my aunt's friend. Well, she, my aunt, she had a girlfriend named Eleanor, and she had a son, you know, did run errands and shit. And Pee Wee was like, yo, what you, come here. Because I was always getting in trouble. He's like, come with me. Just come with me downstairs. You, I got, he's like, don't worry about him. I got him. I got him. We go downstairs. He's like, yo, sit down and just relax, man. He started putting on some music. I'm like, what the hell? He was like, this is hip hop. I'm like, what? This is before I even knew what the fuck. I never heard of it. And yeah. He was rocking Baby Huey. He took off Baby Huey and put on Watt Stacks. Um, what's his name? Um, the, the nigga who do the break, Rufus Thomas. Wow. I was like, whoa. Then he threw on bra, Samanda. He had the covers. Oh, he wow. had the covers and everything. Yeah. Just like epic, timeless records now. And he was just right. playing it like, yo, just sit down while I clean up my room. Right. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'm like, all right, I'm not trying to fuck you. Beat me up. I mean, you're about 20 times my size. Right. All right, <laughs> so. And that's how, that's how I got introduced to it. And I still know a record he played that day I had never heard except him play it. It was wow. called Tom Scott in L.A. Okay, all right. It was that album. I don't know what record he played on there, but if I ever got a hold of that album, right. Tom Scott in L.A., it was made in 19... He was playing it then, so it had to be like 1970-something. Yeah, I got to find that. This is before the Commodore's Brick House. This is before right. that. Right. This is before that. This is before Commodore's Fancy Dancer. Right. So were you, when did you end up buying records? How Did you did you start buy, actually buying records? I started records? buying records when I was a kid, man. I started buying I started collecting records when I was a kid. Because I see that, obviously, you know, you got a giant room that's all, full that's of records. All, that's all yard tunes, too. <laughs> that's all yard tunes. Yeah, I want to get that the in American, the American The American records is in the closet. Gotcha. I got a bunch right. of them shits in there. I got crates and stacks of them. But I've been buying tunes since, oh, boy. I think the first tune I ever bought was a 45 called Aki Monkey by um, Pupatoni. It was an old tune. It was an old tune. But as soon as I heard it, the bass line just caught my ass. Wow. It just caught me. I have the tune, too. That little box right there. Look at, see that little box at right. the bottom? That box at the bottom? Yeah. That's a dangerous fucking box. That is shit it? is filled up. It's 45? Let me show you something. I wish you had a video. That little box is dangerous. Yeah, because I don't think a lot of people really know that side of your career, too. No, that they don't. They don't understand what right. that started. They don't understand this is where it starts. These kind of tunes. So we're opening like a, a flight case. We're opening up my danger. This is my little. This is what I call my little kitty box. It's very dangerous for everybody else who I play with because they don't want to play with me after I play these. But to me, this is just my warm-up box, my danger box. Wow. It's my danger box. So three tight rows, 45s. I could show you a record by Sam Cooke that was made in Jamaica. Amazing. Where is it? And this is all this is yard all, music, right? All Jamaican music. So were you playing? Were you playing this out too? At the, at yeah, I got to play on my birthday, November fifteenth. I play with Deadly Dragon. Oh, very cool. All right, cool. Where the fuck is that tune at? And a lot of um, people don't understand that hip hop actually comes from this music. Oh, hold, check this out. 
This is David Russian. Russian. Right. I wish it would rain on a Studio One. Amazing, yeah. On that's a Studio One. Right. So and this is not the same Temptation shit. This is this is a Studio One, meaning probably the sound dimensions backed them up with right. the music. Ha, Sam Cook. Here it is. This is Sam Cook singing my teenage sonata. I'll play teenage mm. sonata for you too. So wow, you can hear clean, what it sounds like. Very yeah. clean too. Oh hell yeah. I take care of my records, man. Nobody touches my records but me. Right. Nobody. And I wash my records like I wash my dishes. Really? Yes, I do. I get soap and a rag and a cold water and I wash them. I put, really? them, on a, okay. I put them on a plate. <laughs> my girl for being she be thinking I'm crazy. She's like, yo, you how you treat your records like you eating dinner. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I've always wondered about that. I have a lot of records too. I've never washed them like the no, soap and water man. style. That's it. Soap, mild soap, cold water, because the hot water will bend the vinyl. Right. You know? Incredible. So this was really first, I mean, like, for you, right? Which, uh, yeah, well, well, no. I started rhyming first. No, I started listening. Well, I always listen to y'all music. Right, you know? right. But I always started. And my man, Glenn, man, my man, Glenn, man, that's my man. He wrote my first rhyme for me. Son of a bitch took my fucking $3,000 allowance for it. Yeah, what's the story with that? Because that, that is definitely something I, I discovered just recently, too. So you, you bought your first rhyme oh, for yeah, $3? I bought my first rhyme for $3. <laughs> and he, he, first of all, motherfucker going to ask me, Glenn, at that time, Glenn had to be 13 or 12. I had to be like about maybe 9 or 10. Okay. And we, and I was, I knew, Glenn was like, I'll write you a rhyme. Because I'm hearing everybody rhyming and shit. Right. I didn't want no shit like dip, dip, dive, and so socialized, clean out your ears and open your eyes. I didn't want that right. shit. Glenn was like, yo, I'll write you a rhyme. Because at that time, my name wasn't Just Ice. It was Kid Tio. Okay, interesting. It was right. Kid Tio, like Kid Creole. Right, right, right. But my name was Kid Tio because back then my nickname was Tio, T E O. Gotcha. And he was like, I'll write a rhyme for you. I'm like, fine. He was like, How much money you got? <laughs> I said, Glenn, I got $3. I just got my allowance, man. And at that time, $3 was a lot. Pizza was like 50, 75. A slice of pizza was 50 cents, and a Sicilian was 75 cents. So yeah, three dollars you can stretch that. Life. You go to Nathan's with three dollars back in them days. You get a burger, fries, and fucking drink and change. Wow. I've done it. Wow. And Jack in the Box was right there on White Plains Road. <laughs> he robbed me, yo. <laughs> he said, "How much you got?" I said, three dollars." I just got my allowance. He said, "The rhyme will cost you three dollars." <laughs> wow. Everything. I was like, "Glenn, seriously?" He said, "You want the rhyme?" He's like, "Yeah, give me three dollars." I gave him the fucking three dollars. Hey, yo, Peter, no bullshit. I called Glenn, and this was. Years ago, this is more than thirty years ago. Wow. I called Glenn like about last year. Do you know that nigga spit that rhyme to me? I don't even remember wow. that shit. He's like, I bet you remember the first rhyme I wrote. You. I was like, no. He was like, and I was like, holy <laughs> shit, you remember that shit? <laughs> yeah, well, probably through your career. Here's the like, funny I thing. I said, can you write it and text it to me? He said, you got three dollars. <laughs> oh shit. I was like, Glenn, are you fucking serious? Wow. He's like, you give me three dollars, I will give you back this rhyme. <laughs> Right. I was like, fuck you and the $3, Glenn. <laughs> For real. <you. laughs> That's hilarious, man. Oh, man. So that would just be a rhyme that you would recite, like, wherever, at any party. That was party, a battle right? rhyme. He wrote, right. that was, he wrote wow. me a battle rhyme. Right. That's why my first rhyme was a battle rhyme. Wow. So when I had to write rhymes, my shit was always ready to attack the next person. Right. 
And, and, and that's how all my rhymes, that's why a lot of my rhymes come out the way they do. I mean, now I just don't go after somebody. I can talk about any and other thing, but it's the aggressiveness that I keep with it. Yeah, but those are early records too. I mean, it is, it's, it is very aggressive. It's in your face too, which is what made it so unique too, because that wasn't really the stance that a lot of MCs of that yeah, time were Yeah, they were scared. Yeah, it was more about uh, toasting the parties. See, I started that gangster shit, for real, when Dr. Dre and niggas over in the East Coast with Atlantic Star. I don't <laughs> right. give a fuck with nobody say. Right. When I was doing hard hip-hop, hard MCing, because I don't rap, I MC. I'm not a fucking rapper. Right. When I was MCing, my hard shit out here, them niggas was over there wondering what the fuck was next and what's going on with Atlantic Star, and little sequence suits and Jerry Curl juice dripping down their back and shit. I mean, enough respect to them now with their success sure. and everything. But, yo, don't claim what the fuck really ain't yours, man. Right. And you had done, uh, did World Class Wrecking Crew come to New York? Because I read somewhere, too, that you, did you ever do, share the stage we, we, with we them? Done, I think I've done a few shows with the World Class Wrecking Crew. Right. I've done a few shows with Luke and all of them motherfuckers. Right, right. I mean, when we was younger, we did a lot of shows together with these down right. south people. Coming to, they were coming to New York. No, we right. was going down there. Right, right. We was going to Florida. Right. I remember a few shows in Florida we did, but then I remember a few shows we met up in the middle. Yeah. It was a few of them. Right, right. I remember right, doing sure. shows with Shanice. Amazing, right. That's, I remember doing like shows What a bill that would be, right, yeah. I remember Just doing shows with Shanice. Yeah. Right. So, well, yeah, I mean, that's incredible, too. I mean, uh, just going back just a little bit, too, thinking about, uh, you know, the year the, the year of the, that first record, and really, like, 86 and 87 for you and just for music in general and New York as a whole is just, a, like, such an electrifying period of time too you know i think now it's been now this generation sort of sleeps on that part of the 80s where the you know golden what, era is like the I mean, mid 90s I mean no, no problem listen it might have been electrifying for the people who were hearing it back in 86 and 87 right. when we were doing it but to me that was the weak part to me really so hell yeah i hate when records hip-hop records came out right i hated that shit i said why that was it in the parties right gotcha yeah as soon as that fucking well, everybody keeps thinking that Rapper's Delight is the first record on Enjoy, and it's not. Right. It is not. The first record rappers, the first rapping record on Enjoy Record is Super Rapping. Right. Then Super Rapping 2. Right. Then Rapper's Delight. True. And we all know, too, that the Super Rapping wasn't, uh, you know, Furious Grandmaster Flash. No, that was their, that, no, no, no. They had Super, records before that. So. Super Rapping. No, no, no. They had records before that on um, what record they had out? We rap more mellow. Right, which is different name of the group was a different. The, 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 the next generation. They right. They wanted the next generation. Right. But before all of that even came out, dogs, right. only Bambada and Flash had Flash it to the beat. At one time, only Flash had it. Then he gave it to Bambada. Then it was another one. Only Flash had. It's like it, 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 there was a routine, and they made a plate out of it. To the Chevrolet, um, got to be real. Mm -hmm. It's like we're going to a party. That's right. That's right. That's right. We're going to rock with everybody. That yo, right. only the Bronx had that shit. Wow. Only the Bronx had that shit. It didn't reach Manhattan. It definitely didn't reach Brooklyn. That's all Queens. Fuck them. Right. Now, so it was all happening right here. Anyway, it was the right. Bronx, man. Right. It was the Bronx. And you ask motherfuckers in Brooklyn back in the seventies about that, they'd be like, "Yo, how can the Bronx say they started hip hop? We was doing this at the same time." I'm like, granted. And I can attest to it because I lived in Brooklyn. Right. In Brooklyn in the late 70s, early 80s, niggas was coming out there with big systems in Brooklyn. But it wasn't. They weren't But they the weren't music. playing the same music. Right. Their biggest record in Brooklyn and Queens was Love is the Fucking Message. 
Wow, right. Totally See? different vibe, right? They was out there playing shit like Parliament Funkadelic as their main shit. We played Parliament Funkadelic Freak of the Week and all that shit in the beginning. Right, that's where you open the party. We, oh, we right. begin with that kind right, of shit. Right. Them niggas use that shit for closers. I can say, yeah, y'all was playing music out there in the 70s, late 70s. Big shit, Fantasia, DJ Flowers, Grandma, right. Grandmaster Flowers, um, Infinity Machine. Oh, Infinity Machine. That was a fucking system. Right. But the music was whack. Did they ever come up here? Was Hell it, no. It wasn't really like you Infinity do Machine that. stayed their ass in Queens and right. Brooklyn. Right. They didn't come to the BX. Right. But their system was all that. Did you go there? I, hell yeah. yeah. I lived in Brooklyn. I lived in right. Far Rockaway. I, go, right. I, I lived all, all over New York. I go anywhere in right. New York. I got family there because I know I lived there before. Right, right. Going to Queens for me ain't no problem. To this day, it ain't no fucking problem for me to go to Queens. I wouldn't think so. Yeah. You know what I mean? I could right. just walk around. Right. Motherfuckers be like, yo, they go just, they go just, what's good, what's good? All up on Fox Boulevard, all that shit. I got people every fucking where. Right. But it's like, the music starts here. Home of hip hop is the Bronx. Simple as that. So it was just, it wasn't just in, in the parks either too. I mean, it's like there were, were well, it was. Uh, the clubs came after, man. The parks was the shit. Right. It wasn't even the clubs, man. Fuck the clubs, the high schools. Really? Yeah, school. did that even school. start before the parks? No, too? it was the parks and the high schools together. Right, okay, gotcha. The parks and the high right. schools together. The clubs, it was like it was different. Okay, when you go into the high school, yeah, you pay $3 with the flyer. Right. $4 without. Right. That ain't no problem. The club, you got to pay $6. Right, it's totally and $8. Different. You got to put on shoes. That's yeah. why nobody like going to Hurt's parties. They were always, that was it, the fever, right? No, no. no. Her, anywhere her plate, you had right. to put on shoes. Right, right. Then Flash started that bullshit. Flash Steve, he started losing money in the street with that shit. So he changed it. Right. How would you, how, like with these free, with the Park Jam, if you're not really paying a cover, how are people making money? Would, would they make money? No. Like the actual DJ. See, when Van would come out to the park, or Mario would come out to the park, it was just to entertain the people. It wasn't right. no fucking money involved. Yeah, they were all just coming out of pocket. Basically. Yo, it was like, yo, you wire up from the first floor, somebody you know on the first floor, you run your wires from their apartment right. with electricity, you set up and everything, you play, you, you have your own liquor or whatever. It's a party thing. It's a community thing. Right. It's a community thing. It's just fucked up. Say, like, you play in Bronxdale, and when Mario played in Bronxdale, the whole, that side of the whole Bronx knew about it. All the projects is coming. That's when the trouble starts. Right, when people start migrating. When the other fucking, when the other project's coming. Right. Just because Bronxdale is here and here go to Brooklyn Expressway and you got Monroe here, that don't make them friends. That make them niggas enemies. Right, yeah. Was there separation between the different... Yes. Really, okay. Yeah, So where we're standing right now, what would this be like back then? What Well, back then, this is more, this would be more like Breakout's area because Breakout lives up up Gun Hill Road. Gotcha, Breakout and Battle Gun Hill Road is like two blocks away from here, right? Gun Hill Road is right there. Okay, gotcha. The hospital where my wife works in. They see that tall building? Right, That's where my wife works. Gotcha, yeah. And Gun Hill Road is before that. Okay, yep. Matter of fact, if you go to this block right here, you cross this street right here, you walk up to the corner, that's Gun Hill Road. Right, okay. Then you go up this way, that's toward the 2 and 5 train. Right, okay, yep. And that's Breakout and Barron. Right, Yeah, they right. have a festival here, and Brian Barron always comes out and plays over here. Right. A few weeks ago, it was, um, what do you call it? Um, It was uh, it was Bronx Day. It was Bronx Day. Right. Everybody went out to um, Cortona Park. Right, yeah. That's a Lord Finesse thing, right? No, no. Nah, nah. Bronx Day. Lord right. Finesse, yeah. Well, he's from the Bronx, but it was a Bronx Day. And um, who played? Oh, my man Tony Tone. Tony Tone from the Cold Crush called me. He was like, yo, 
I'm playing, so I want you to come out there like about 11 or 12. We could talk because I was going to buy some shit from him. Because Tone actually just moved from right around the corner, down this down this block and around the corner. Oh, right now, currently. Yeah, he just moved. He right. moved upstate. Oh, maybe. Oh, okay, gotcha. He moved upstate. Right. And Theodore was like, yo, Justin, if you want to go, I'll come scoop you up because I can come right up, you know. <clears throat> that day was like 98 fucking degrees. Right. I was not leaving my from under my air conditioner. <laughs> right, right, right. I told him, niggas, I was like, yo, man, it's hot as a bitch, and Katona ain't got no shade. Mm. It's all open area. Right. I'm like, even if you build a little canopy, you, you, it's only a matter of time before that shit gets through. I'm like, I'm not going. <laughs> right. I don't go to, I don't, I, 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 I very really, very really show my, my shit. I'm still recording this shit. Do I want to record this? Stop recording. I don't know why I'm recording the box anyway. Delete that shit. I don't go out too often, man. That's why. I don't even like doing shows in New York unless I'm right. DJing. Right. If I do a show in New York when it comes to MCing, it got to be a real fucking show. Right, right. It got to be a real show. Because I'm, I'm going to come out and say it, straight up and down. New York motherfuckers and bitches, they ain't appreciative of real hip-hop because they grew up here with it. It's a total different effect overseas. You go overseas, they appreciate it. Right. They appreciate it. You know what I mean? You don't, it's like, it's just different. The atmosphere is different. They don't come to the show with the intent to start trouble. So what was the first, you, we were just talking about at the beginning, like you're the first time you went overseas. So what year was that? Cause 86, that that's the first time when I'm, I was with Sleeping Bag. We, um, did, the, we did a 1986 Fresh Fest. Right. At, Wimble, at Wimble, Wimble, Wimbledon Stadium. So that's like really one of the first hip hop tours in Europe or overseas. And it's on vinyl. Is it? Oh, I didn't it's realize that. You go to okay. YouTube and you look at it, you see the name. I signed a few of those when you were just when you're, I was so over just there. Out there. I was right. just I, I I just came back last week. Right. I signed a few. It, yo, it's amazing the records that's over there. The vinyl, right? The vinyl. I mean, CDs are good, downloads are good, MP3s, but they still cherish vinyl over there. Yeah, absolutely. I love that because I got a shitload of vinyl, and I I bought some vinyl from over there. Nice, for real. So yeah, I mean. Obviously, I mean, you were, I mean, it, it's tough to, to, to kind of take the magic of those parties because they're so um, spontaneous, the things that happen there. You can't really predict what's going to happen at a party. But what do you mean, it wasn't back, back in the days? Yeah, as far as translating it to, like, your recording See, career. Uh, you know? Yes, you can. I can. I take all those parties with me everywhere I fucking go. You know why? Because I was there. Nobody had to tell me about them. Right. I was there. I have one saying... As just size draws from his weed. I got one saying to all these motherfuckers who think they know hip hop. If your ass wasn't there, you just missed it. For real. Right. Your ass wasn't there, you just fucking missed it. Nobody can tell you about the parties from back in the days. You had to be there. You hear the fucking, you heard the original music of everything that's being played now with the samples and the sound of lights. We played the originals. Who would you say would be like your contemporaries back then? Because were you, did you eventually start performing at those parties too before, before was, the records came out and stuff? No. My first, my first performance was at the Danceteria. Really? Okay. So that's not until like 86, yeah, right? Yeah, it's like 86 or something. To me, right. that's old. 
I mean, it's new for everybody else, and it was new for right. me in one perspective because I was starting to make records. But that hip hop shit in me was already in, it's there already. Yeah, you have like your relationship with it is so much more personal than the people yeah, that just know yeah, your recorded nah, material. Nah, that shit goes deep, man. Right. I used to go to Africa Islam house, son of a bitch used to starve me for fucking Kansas fried chicken. <laughs> Word. Nah, man, nah. That's this. This shit goes way deeper than a bass bottom boom or a hi hat tweeter. Just right. like I said in my record, way deeper than that. So how did it feel to, to start going into making records? Was it something you were that you were excited about, or was it more like... Uh, it was I excitement, mean, but it was something I knew I, had, I was supposed to do it anyway. Right. I always said I'm going to make records when I was younger. Always. I never liked school. I had to complete the shit, though, because my mother was a school teacher, so I had to complete the shit. But I was like, I ain't going to be no fucking plumber or no dentist or no shit like that. I'm, right. making, I'm making music. Right. My mother collected records. Were you holding down? A, were you still working the clubs and were, were holding down a job when you first did the rec, when the first Man, fresh records you, were coming? When I was, uh, I used to always have a job when I was younger. Always, that's why. What are, What are some of the jobs? Messengers. You I worked in offices and stocks. I did files. I did. A, I did um, accounting apprentice because I was always. I'm. More, I'm I love math, so I'm, I'm good with math. And um, but the day that I was, I took my um demo. To sleeping bag fresh. That was a Monday, and it was a snowstorm, right? Mm. And I was a messenger, and the shoes I had, the fucking front of it was open. So that means oh I'm like, yeah. But I'm doing it. I'm like, fuck, right. I need the money. Right. So I'm doing it. So I call up sleeping bag from a dime payphone. It was a dime back then. Mm. It was a, it wasn't a quarter. It was a dime or fifteen. It wasn't a quarter. And I was like, yo, do you like my my? my, my? And Will Sokolov got on the phone. Mantronis answered the phone. Really? Yeah, okay. he was like, I was like, yo, this is Justice. I, I, I bought you on my demo with um, Latoya. And I, he was like, yeah, hold on a minute. Will Sokolov got on the phone. He was like, yo, we like it. We want to do something with you. He was like, can you come to the office now? We can talk about a contract in advance. Right then and there. Peter, I had about seven packages in my hand. It was snowing. I said to the nearest garbage, Phoom! <laughs> I'll be right there. <laughs> I never went back to work. Wow. Never went back to work that day. They gave me like about what? It was it wasn't it was close to ten thousand in van. And could they see my condition? <laughs> well at that time, that's great. That's huge. You know what I'm saying? Know? Hell yeah. Yeah. And and I was like, what? I went home. I was like, yo, listen, I, to my girlfriend. I was like, yo, listen. Bam. Wow. She was like, because she I was known for robbing people. Okay. I was I was known. That's something I met with my mother. She was like, who did you rob? Are we in danger? I'm like, nah, this is from the record. <laughs> this is from <laughs> right. the record. Mm-mm. So the demo, because on the album, did, did they you re-recorded Latoya then, right? Or, or what was yeah, the... Yeah, but the, everybody thinks Latoya is the first record. It's not. Right, so what was the first Put record? Put the record back on. Right. I love that fucking yeah, record. Yeah, that's the joint. When I performed that record last week in Germany and London, when I, when I came on, they sung that shit with me. Hell yeah. And then they started, the B-Boys started breakdancing... And me in particular, because Fred was cracking up, because Fred know when I'm rhyming, I don't like nobody to dance. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to stand still, listen to what the fuck I'm saying. <laughs> right, right. And Fred was like, I was like rhyming, and they started dancing, I started turning to Fred. Fred was like, I'm singing a song, I'm like, he was like, just go ahead, just go ahead. And I started, I was like, yo, I don't like nobody dancing when I'm rhyming. For real. When put the record back was over, I was, was like, boom. I was like, yo, check this out. I don't let nobody dancing when I'm rhyming. For real. Y'all want to break, y'all do that shit with somebody else. I came in to rhyme. Y'all sit there and listen to what the fuck I'm saying. Right? Fred was cracking wow. the fuck up. 
That's amazing. Was cracking up. I was always like that too. Even with the early performances Even, too. I got like that because in dancing, I think dancing Tyrion did it to me. So what was the, you know, what was the environment? A lot of people that are listening to this probably didn't have the opportunity to, Wait, to be. Tyrion? Yeah, what was the vibe like there? Like? Dance, it was different. Right. It was different. It was more like, hold on a minute. No problem. You can follow me if you want. Who's in the kitchen? Oh, come on. Who's coming? Right. My son, Justice. Dance But you know back then, it was more like a Studio 54 crowd of right, heads, right, right. and you could play basically any motherfucking thing and they danced to it. Yeah, it didn't matter what, didn't the, matter what the fuck right. it was. Right. So. And, but it was my first performance. Wow. And I didn't know. I thought I was just there to hang the fuck out. And how did the, how did you get drugged up on stage? Will was like, Justice, go there and perform. You put the record back on. He said, don't worry, Curtis got everything set up for you. Curtis is Mantronic. Yeah, right. And so like, he was DJing that night as well. Yeah, so I like, said, yo, you know what? Ain't no butterflies in my stomach. Right. I had my shades in my pocket. I said, whoop. And that was it. <laughs> nice. That's what started it. Right. The shades in my pocket. Curtis was like, Justice, it's dark in here. Why do you have shades on? <laughs> I'm like, Curtis, if I can't see them, they can't see me. Right. Yeah. He was like, Classic. Yo, fuck. And then you can just zone, you just zone out. And, and yo, and Ben. Ben, my, my, my beatbox. That's, that's Ben Payne's, right? Ben Payne, yeah. yeah. That's my name. Yeah, but was, yeah, I wanted to ask about him, yeah, too. Yeah, that's what I do. I yeah. talked to him. He, he's doing all right. He got to get his passport shit straight. Right. Ben, he was like, Justin, why are you always wearing shades? I'm like, Ben, because if I'm on stage, I can't see them, they can't see me. He's like, what, are you fucking stupid? They can see you. Justin, they can see you. I said, not in my head, they can't. <laughs> I right. said, in my head, I'm up here, nobody can see me. So you had a little stage fright then getting on initially, right? You, you could call it that, but that's how the shades got, you know. Right. But then as I got older, I wanted to look at people. Right, right, of course. I wanted to look at them. And I was like, okay, I could do it without the shades, because the shades, I fuck around trip. Yeah. <laughs> Who was, um, um, you know, thinking of that crew of people, especially in the fresh, because you were, you were, Really, a part of that fresh record sort of uh, first. Don't forget, next door was Prism Cold Chiller. Matter of fact, there was no Cold Chiller. It was just Prism. What do you mean, next door? As far as in the office that they were? No, our next door building. We was 1974. They was 1966. I didn't know that. Only thing that separated was a little lot. I was always up in Cold Chiller. Really? Okay. What? Wow, I didn't realize that. Cold Chiller was my second home. Right. Me and Ty to this day. Me and Fly Ty to this day are like this. Ty calls me in the middle of the night with the craziest shit. Really? Well, he texted me something real crazy. Me and Ty. Me, Ty, who else talked? Um, oh, man. Me, Fly Ty, Shantae. She's pregnant. She can to have a baby. Wow. Um, Abdul. Everybody knows him as Cool G Rat, though. But he, I, don't, I'm, I think I'm the only person. He, he said, Justin, you're the only motherfucker to call about my real name. Everybody I've never heard anyone G. call him the nah, Cool G Rat. His name is Abdul. Right. And when, when, we, when we, it's like the circle of us, say like we hanging out, me, him, Kane, Biz, his name is Lizard Man. His name is Lizard, Lizard man. man. His name is Lizard. <laughs> Lizard Man. He hates that shit. But that's my fucking man, Abdul. I love the shit out of him, man. That's I love amazing. the shit out of him, man. So there was some camaraderie between the labels, too, like as far as. It wasn't as camaraderie. Like, I was the cool motherfucker cool. yeah. in Sleeping Bag who didn't give a fuck about nothing. I didn't give a fuck about who was trying to make more money as a record company. Right. Cold chilling with some cool motherfuckers right, over there. Right. Everybody was cool over there except for Dean and Lenny Fisherberg. Except for them, too. 
Mm. I ain't like the brother and sister. I'm not. I, who I, was? Who were those people? They the owners. Right. People wouldn't really know that. Like the most. One day, one day, Todd, because I told Todd was broke, right? Me and Todd spoke the night before, and Todd said, "Okay, come to the office tomorrow. I'll give you two hundred dollars until you get your shit straight." I'm like, "Okay, cool." So I just happened to get there a little bit early, and Lenny was there, and Lenny was and who Lenny was walking around the office. D was at the um desk. And his sister D was back there. His other sister D. It was two D's. D was one D was black. The, the, the secretary. She was mad cool. But then it was his sister, little the, the, the little short lady D. Fucked up attitude. Mm. So I'm sitting around there. First of all, he knows I'm from next door. I'm from sleeping bag. I'm the enemy. He's <laughs> right. like he's like. No, who else was there? Oscar? Oscar from the Fearless Four was there. Wow. Okay. It was me and Oscar was hanging out back there. <laughs> Oscar from the Fearless Four was there. <clears throat> so. He was like, uh, Justice, uh, what are you doing here? Oh, I said, I got to wait for Tyrone. Tyrone told me to meet him here. Right. He was like, for what? I said, because I'm short of some money. He will give me $200. He was like, oh, okay. Oh, that's not going to happen. Okay. I said, what? And I got up. Oscar was like, uh-oh. He said, that's not going to happen. I said, there's nothing to do with you. This is between me and Tyrone. He was looking, he was looking at the table. He was like, Okay. Are you still here? It's not going to happen. Walked over to him, looked at him, boom! <laughs> really? His sister screamed. Sitting at the desk and shit or what? No, he was standing up. Right. I okay. was the one sitting down at first. He was like, oh, it's not going to happen. Then I got up. Oscar was like, uh-oh. Wow. And then he was reading his paper. He looked up. He said, oh, you still here? It's not going to happen. I just walked over to him. Boom! Hit him. Mm. Hit that nigga so fucking hard. He fell three times. <laughs> Hit him the first time. He was out for like about 30 seconds. He woke up. He, was, he got up. He looked at me. Fell down. Oscar was like, yo, Justin, get the fuck out of here. I said, nope. He got up, staggered around, fell down again. Oh I left. God. Yeah. I left. Good call. We went back to right. sleeping bag right across. Right. So I told, I told Will and I told Dougie what happened. They started cracking the fuck up. They were like, we don't like Lenny Fisherberg either. Wow. And those are the owners I'm telling. Right. He's yeah. like, Justice, you know if anything happened, we got you. I had a special account just for when I go to jail, too. Just got to tell you that. That they set aside? Yeah, they set aside for me. I had a special account for when I go to, go to jail. I always kept 10000 or better there for bail. So it's like, if Did you have to tap into that? No, no, no. no. Well, check this out. We up there, right? Me, T. Rock, everybody, we up there. About 20 minutes later, a representative from Cold Chilling comes to sleeping bag okay. with an envelope with $200 in it. Oh it's like, it was just as him. Right. Here, Tyrone sent this over. Wow. I called Tyrone up. Tyrone was like, yo, why you hit Liddy like that, yo? He <laughs> <laughs> was in his office cracking the fuck up. He was like, yo, why you hit him like that? And he I didn't said, do anything. No, Liddy right. and Tyrone was cracking up. That's amazing. I'm like, yo, Tyrone, you could ask D. He said, I know. She told me everything. He said, she said you was nice about it. He was an asshole. Thank you. Click. Right. Amazing. Wow. Yo, we had so much fun over there, man. And who? Yo, and Lawrence Spitzberg. Right. That's my dog. He, yeah. We, we, we met him actor. over there. At the, in the office. Nah, nah. We, me and T. The Rock was walking down the block. And, and Lawrence Spitzberg was coming down the block, right? And I was like, yo, I know you. He was like, "Word, you know me? What's my name?" I was like, "Lawrence something." He was like, first I said, I said, my name is Just Ice." He was like, "Just Ice Latoya." 
I said, oh shit, you know my records? I said, that's my man T. LaRock. He made this yours. He was like, it's yours. Oh, Yo, shit. we started talking, and it was a restaurant across the street called Federico's. It ain't okay. there no more. We went in there, me, Lawrence Fishburne, and T. LaRock got so fucked up off our iced teeth. <laughs> Only thing that fucked it up, he kept trying to smoke a cigarette. Really? And I kept telling him, no shit's no good for you. Right. And this is way back in the 80s. Yeah. He's like, you know what, Justice? We ain't going to be able to hang out if you go fucking with these cigarettes. I'm like, man, stop smoking that shit, man. Just drink some fucking ice. You want some weed? He's like, I can't smoke no weed. <laughs> Yo, then me and Tina Rock, we met, um, what's the nigga name? Forrest Whitaker. Amazing. Right. Walking down that same fucking, yo, that strip of Broadway between 59th Street and 72nd, right. you meet a lot of fucking people. Right. Of we course, met Forrest yeah. Whitaker. We met the guy who plays Leon. Right. Um, we met him. It and it's always, it was always me and Tila Rock. Right. It was always me and Tila Rock meeting these people. <laughs> wow, that's one day, One day, I'm coming up the number one train at 66th Street, and I look across the street. That's where Tyler Records used to be there. Right. Tila Rock, it was a, some kind of news crew. They courted his ass. CBS or somebody called. They recognized because he had his shit on. And they cornered him coming out of Tower Records, signing off. They cornered him. Yo, I seen that shit. I'm like, I got it. I tried to. I took my hat off. I took the Just Ice hat off. Right. I'm walking through the building. All of a sudden, you hear he said, "Yo, there go Just Ice." <laughs> I was like, "You son of a bitch!" <laughs> where, where right. I go? And the lady was like, "Just Ice." They was looking for the hat. I wouldn't put the hat on. Somebody seen it in my hand. Tito Rock goes, "Yeah, that's Just Ice right there." They all came over there. Yo, me and Tito Rock, we got so. Oh man, yo, you have no idea the history. Uh-huh. With me, T. LaRock, and Torrey, mm, MCT. Okay. Right. He a funny dude. I used, yeah, to, I used, yeah. to, I used to shoot air pellets at his ass. <laughs> what was the story with the hat, too? Because that was such a signature well, look. You know, My friend, Eddie Plain, my gold tooth master, gold tooth Eddie, the original gold tooth Eddie. If it wasn't for him, I would have never got that hat. Because one day I went to go see him, and he had that hat on. And this oh, is way back in the early 80s. Right. But he didn't have his name or nothing on it. And I was like, yo, Ed, where you get that hat from? He was like, yo, Kiffin made it for me. And Kiffin was the owner of Ross Roots. Mm. And that's how all of that shit started. Right. And this is like, and I used to get gold teeth from Eddie way before I started making records. But before Eddie was even in the Coliseum, Eddie was in 170-something street in Hillside Avenue, working out of some kind of little shop. And we was out in Long Island, and um, it wasn't Roosevelt. Um, oh, oh, oh man, what's that shit, man? Out in Long Island, he was in Nassau. It was in right, Nassau right. County. wasn't too far from Eddie Murphy's house. We used to fuck with Eddie Murphy's people. Okay, all right. Well, he's from Bushwick originally, right? Who Eddie Murphy? Yeah, was but, he, he, but then they moved to Long Island yeah. to Freeport. Right. No, we was at, um near Freeport, near Freeport, near Freeport. Right. But yeah, the hat shit came from him, and we was buying, we was buying gold teeth. Before music even came out, yeah, I mean it was, was it, part of our, right. that was part of our uniform. You know, was drug sellers. Right. We was we was drug sellers. Guns, gold teeth, big coats in the winter time, right. fresh sneakers. Right. Nothing to do with no fucking music. Right, right, right. Well, that's how that the, the musicians really adopted all that style. Too, uh, see, nothing to do with right. music. Right. Well, another uh, important thing in '86 too, and I've been you know a good friend of mine is Greg Nice. You know, obviously that's from, my from, dude. Yeah, that's, that's a, my dude. Yeah. And I uh, one day I was broke, right? Look right. real quick. I had like about maybe twelve, thirteen dollars to my name. Mm. I was living right here. Okay. And I called Greg. 
Greg was on 170th Street. He took me to his house a few times, but we never went upstairs, but I knew the area. I was like, yo, Greg, it's just. He's like, yo, what's up, Josh? I'm like, yo, I'm kind of fucked up with dough right now, man. Can you hit me up with something? I'll hit you up back next time he passed. I'll just hit you up. He's like, how much you need? I'm like, anything you can spare. He's like, where you at? I said, well, 212 and decal. He's like, yo, meet me right around the corner on, on Bainbridge. I said, you know the area? He's like, meet me around the corner on Bainbridge from 212 in about a half hour. Went out there, Greg. Greg had a little pickup truck. <laughs> really? He had a little, little pickup truck. I mean, not even a hatchback, a pickup truck. <laughs> okay. Nigga said, here, pay $170. I was like, that's cool. Uh, and, and, and I, I was only looking for like about maybe $50, $60. Right, right. He's like, hey, $170. And me and him just start talking, because me and Greg, you want to talk about stories? Right. Overseas? Yeah. Well, he wasn't, he was Teela Rock's beatbox. Yeah. Right. You, yo, Greg, me and Greg got stories about overseas. <laughs> yo, yo, that's what I'm saying. That's my, me and Teela Rock was just so, yo, Teela Rock, me and him was talking last week. He got kind of pissed off. He's like, yeah, you and fucking Greg fucking with everybody. Everybody depended on y'all to get us back, and you got everybody out. I was like, yo, you still getting mad over that shit? <laughs> yo, me and Greg had these niggas walking around Amsterdam for 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Looking for the hotel, and all me and him kept doing was going in a circle. <laughs> oh, my God. And when they people. got fucking confused, he went back the other way. Yo, T was like, yo, man, didn't we just pass him? Mm. Yo, we, yo, and yo, Greg, that's my nigga. That's well, what my I want to, I've asked the connection too, of course, is uh, Boogie Down Productions too, which played oh, a big, a big role. You were a big part of that going, now, you, now you, now you digging, you start to scratch now. Yeah. You start to scratch now. Can we talk about up. that a little bit or? Yeah, we'll talk about it a little bit. Just a little bit. I mean, we don't have to, you know, go as far I as. Like as bleeding. Wow. All right, real quick. Me and KRS-One and Scott LaRock and Jerry Lee MC. We all met up at the Broadway International Disco on 140, I think it was 146 in Broadway, some shit like that. I okay. It was called Broadway International. Broadway Inter- BID. BID. Okay. All right. Scott LaRock was the house DJ. And KRS and Jerry BMC and the other guy, I forgot the person's name, they were the house MCs. It was owned by this lady, I think her name was Cheryl or Cameron or somebody. She actually lived in Rockaway Park, Hamill's project, the project that I was living in at that right. time. And, um, well, let's just say I had nowhere to live, and Chris was living in the shelter where Scott was the uh, social worker, and I needed somewhere to live. He was like, I got somewhere for you to live. And I'm thinking, yo, cool, I got a place to crash out. Nigga took me to a shelter. Oh, wow. And that was, and they were, by that time, they were doing music together. No, it was no, no records out. No, okay. Uh-uh. They were just hanging at a club? Is yeah, that what it was? Way back, man. I keep telling you, that's all way back. Motherfuckers take it for granted. When I right. say way back, I mean way back. Right. This is, me and Chris was down the other way before we made records. Right. What way w- before. What was um, Scott LaRock like? A very serious person who was hard to play basketball with because he was not little. <laughs> he was a big guy. He was a fucking big dude, man. This guy wasn't no little fucking dude. And he was a social worker too. I mean, and obviously, very, that's and a very serious. nice about it until you play ball with him. Right. I hated playing ball with him. <laughs> Where we always argue, we would always argue. You know what I mean? But he was a real nice dude. I mean, one day he was on um visiting his parents because he was from the, he lived in the Bronx. The Scott came from a very well off to do family. Okay. A very well off to do. And his people lived in St. Albans in Queens. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So one Sunday, he was all the way in St. Albans, Queens. And I called the nigga. And 
I was like, yo, Scott, I'm broke. I ain't got no money. He's like, I'm in Queens, just. I said, I need five dollars. He was like, five dollars. He said, I'm in. Oh, he said, I said, what's what's the what's the name of train stop for you? He said, the F train, 179th Street, the last stop. I said, I'll be there within two hours. Click. Yo, Pete, when I got there, Scott was fucking there waiting. Wow. With five dollars. Five bucks right there. Amazing. Because you know, don't ask him for nothing else. Because you right. said five dollars. So he gonna give you five dollars. Right. He was right there. I was like, wow. I remember all that shit, man. Yeah, those are amazing stories. They they go so far beyond the records and stuff. You know, everything like, everything that has to do with me, BDP, or people who were in our circle. I ain't naming everybody. Yeah, that's fine. It's way deeper than the fucking music, man. Right. But you understand that, like, so many people. That's the only. That's, that's how the they only know thing, you. That's the and that's fucked up. That's just like saying they only know hip hop for today. Right. Instead of knowing hip hop for what hip hop for what it really really is, right? You know, it's it's kind of fucked up. Right, right. They should know the history. Right. Um. Really quick too, just uh, and this is kind of going back just a little bit, but but with Kurt with with Mantronics too. I mean, that's just that. <laughs> there's incredible chemistry there with the records too, and uh, you know we don't necessarily have to get into the business of it all too because he was already an artist on Yo, Fresh Records. Kurt right? was an artist on Capital. Really? Okay. They snatched. They snatched him off. Remember, King of the Beach was on Capitol. Mm. So, Will and Will they found took him brought. from Capitol. Yeah. Right. Curtis was too far ahead of his time, man. He's. I don't know if he's still doing music now. I don't know if he's changing the way he spells his name. But I'm seeing a lot of Kurt Khalil's on fucking TV for the music. Interesting. All right. I don't know if it's Khalil or Keel. Right. I don't know if he's changing his name or whatever. But he's another one that you just did hip hop for the fuck of it. Right, his Just family is well off. Yeah, he was Armenian or something. His or father like... is a, a, a Iranian or Armenian oil dweller. Wow, and his mother is like one of the biggest Jamaican lawyers at her time in Jamaica. Wow. So they didn't need for nothing. Right. Even back then, when you lived on Eighty Second and Broadway or Amsterdam or in between. Right. That's money. Yeah. And that's where he lived. He just chose to stay at the penthouse at the unrecorded studio. Okay, gotcha. The music you guys did, though, in those first, I mean, it was almost four albums, at least three albums of material was mostly just you and him. And, uh, well, um, the first album, Back to the Old School, was me and him. The second album, Cool and Deadly, was me and him. The third album. Well, the Desolate <laughs> one was, had, he was on that too, but it was, you were also doing, um, I did was one it? track with Doc Rodriguez. Yeah. And then the guy, O.C. Um, uh, O.C. Rodriguez. O.C. Rodriguez was later, right? See, that's the one was a real angry album because I was going through some personal shit. I was just contracted to do that album. I was forced to do that album. You know what? Just one little bit about that album. And uh, one of my favorite songs that you've done and one of my the, one of the greatest music videos, too, I feel like. Welfare recipient. Welfare I love that song, man. Because it's got that dub, it's got the dub inflicted production too, and like, uh, did you feel like w was that something you were kind of pushed to do a record like that? Yeah, they wanted you to make some commentary. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. So that wasn't something I usually. That's that's right. not me really. Yeah. That's just like my verse in self destruction. That wasn't. You know, my what, how did my that come about? My original verse was so much harder. They didn't want me. They they didn't want to let me on the record. And Carly didn't want me on the record. And then Dougie first came to my back. He was like, well, if Just Ice can't be on the record, I'm not going to be on the record. And then Heavy D was like, well, if Dougie Fresh and Justin are going to be on the record, I'm not going to be on the record. And Chuck said, no, they're going to be on the record. I'm not going to be on the record. Oh, my so God. So she was like, Just, you're going to be on the record. Right, right. That's how that shit went. 
Yeah. Because they was like, just ice doesn't fit into the self-destruction. He's more like into creating destruction. Now, those were her words. Mm. And then from that point on, me and Aunt Carly had a very good relationship. Right. Got you it. don't fuck with me, I don't fuck with you. Yeah, that's sim- that's simple enough. Um, yeah, I mean, and then, ap- I mean, like, really, after the desolate one, you like the, you know, you Masterpiece. Were, masterpiece, which was kind of like totally underrated because it's just it's an album where you and Grandmaster Flash right yeah it was me and Flash the production could have been way better right the voice level everything the lyrics everything is tight I never had the music is tight I just had a problem with the production right the production it could have been way better so way at ni- better. that's 1990 like where are you at like in your life in 1990 like after I mean it's the fourth record music still industry going is through changing bullshit, I'm still going through personal bullshit right Still going through personal bullshit. See, now I like my weed, that motherfucker. Still going through personal bullshit, see? But you had known Flash for a long time anyway, so at least you have like a, you know, it's not like you're like... Nah, it wasn't like it was a fan. I mean, I've been to so many fucking Flash parties and so many Flash CDs. DJ Joey. My man, DJ Joey. At the Black Door. I tried to sneak in there. They wouldn't let me in there, though. They they, they were like, yo, nigga, you might be gay, but you too young. (laughs) I had to stand outside and hear the music. Was there any, um... uh, a friend of mine told me that the WWF one time was trying to court you. Is yeah. that is that a tr- um, is there truth to um, that? Um, hell yeah! Me and Randy Savage even met up. Really? Yeah. Is this like this was in the eighties too, or this is when Titan Entertainment was down with WWF? Right. This is when it was WWF. They just stopped calling themselves the WWF. Yes, right. The I remember that. Worldwide Wrestling Federation. Then they right. went to the World Wrestling Federation. Right. And Randy Savage and Hulk, Hulk, Hulk Hogan was doing a little. Thing, little storyline thing, right. and Titan Entertainment contacted Ronald Resnick for me to do a sound. You know when he walks out and everything. Oh wow! Okay, to yeah. do mu- actual music. Music for Randy Savage. So we met up. We met up in the city, had dinner and everything. Yo, he's nothing like people think, man. Really? Nothing. Elizabeth nice too. Just before she started fucking with Hulk. Right. I mean, nice. yeah. I mean, it's you know they're entertainers as well. I mean, you would think that. You know, yeah, real it didn't life. come to fruition, though. Right, right. And they come because Titan Entertainment went out of business. Oh, gotcha. So it just fell apart, right? It just fell apart. Right. It had nothing to do with me. How did the um, um, in a minute situation uh, relationship come up? Because that too is such a looking back. Because I love I love Gun Talk is the album really. That's what I'm talking about. In a minute, in a minute, that was Carnegie. That was uh, yeah. Because they had but you know this is a label from California that was putting out Masterpiece, RBL Posse, Totally Insane. Uh, you know uh, Andre Nicotino when he was Dre Dog. It's like, and then there's a Just Ice record, like, you know, in there in the mix of all that. And it was like, I think the only New York or East Coast based artist. And, the, yeah, and Gun Talk. Yeah, which was the um, that sh- that yo that shit had some shit on there. That was '93. It was hard as hell. That record yeah. had some shit on there. I think me and Curtis did a video called Girls and Guns. Yes, which was like more of the dub, you know, the dub style music you, you were doing. Let me show you something very special. Girls wow. and guns. That's it's a ten inch. Yep. Right. That's amazing, man. Yep. I was gonna sell this shit for like a hundred pounds overseas. Uh, I bet you could get more, a lot more than that, man. Yeah, but that, that, that's the same thing the guy said. Yeah. He was like, Just I mean, is it one like of this. a kind? He was like, Yes. Nobody else got this. I mean, I have one more, but it's on an album, though. Right. I have to take album. Yeah, you got it? Yeah, I got it. Yeah. yeah, man, this is some shit right here. All right, what's next, Pete? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, um, looking back, too, 
And I, I've known you from when you were, well, we, you know, we just did stuff at the Knitting Factory. You, you used to come down to I the I even made a record factory. about that shit. Did you? Uh, I didn't know yeah. that. Um, what was Was it? you at the new Knitting Factory? I was just on the one that was downtown on uh, Leonard I, Street. I had a big fucking fuck up at the okay. new Knitting Factory. Really? What happened? My man, me and my man Jay Styles was up there, okay. right? And I just got these, the new joints. Right, right. And they wore Fronts. it insecurely. Okay. In the middle of the show, they started coming out. I had to walk off stage. Oh, my God. And go in the back and readjust them. Oh, and shit. And I came out and I did it. Yo. Whoo. <laughs> you want to hear something? You got time to hear something? Absolutely. Yeah. Check this shit out. Matter of fact, one of, the, one, of the, one of the tunes I did is called Don't Curse. Is a grand with a Theodore. Do you remember the track? Um, it was a full moon in the middle of June in the summer of 59. I was young, cool, shot a bad game of pool and hustled all the chumps I could find. But now they call me sport because I pushed the ball short and I love all the women to death. I party hard, packed a mean rod, and can knock your ass out with a right or a left. <laughs> I learned to shoot pool, playing hooky from school at the tender age of nine. And by the time I was 11, I could pad roll seven and down a whole quarter wine. Fuck niggas know about that shit. Fuck niggas know about that shit. Right. Yo, the music was like... That's a disco rap. Nah, it's called... Um, I got the record right there. I just don't feel like looking for it. Right. Where is it? Watch. Um, this is called "Don't Curse." I don't. I don't know if you. I, I doubt you ever heard this before. Here. Don't curse the master. This is Grandma's and Theodore's music. This tune right here. Here's the history of this tune. When me and KRS-One got finished doing Rhyme Dance Hall session on the Desolate One. Yes. Guess who walks in the door? Okay. Heavy D. Wow. Okay. And we stopped. We like, "Yo, Heavy, come in here with us." And get on this track. That's why Heavy D is on Ramdas Hall session. Uh, if you look at the credits, his name is on there too. Right, right. After we finished doing that, I said, "Yo, have we should get a record together. We should name it Don't Curse. Let's just make a rhyme. Let's just make a record with nobody cursing in it." Right. I right. said, "Me, you, Chris. Let's just make a record called Don't Curse." Chris was with it. Heavy was with it. Something happened. Everybody went their own way. Who comes out a few years later with the fucking record Don't Curse? Heavy D, um, Cool G, rap. It's um, all the mother niggas. See, and I never, and I'm not gonna talk ill of the fucking dead. And that's why I never said nothing about. It. If it wasn't for me, there wouldn't be no fucking don't curse. Wow. Now here's the original verse of my don't curse for that shit. So there is somewhere yeah, original there's some, verse too, right? Different music, right? This rhyme I'm spitting right there is at least 16 years old. Wow.
All right. Is it here this before? Don't look at my lady. Baseline's crazy though. Check this out. Give me about a half a teacup of bass. Mm-hmm. 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 Mm-hmm.
Cause let me tell the story because my name just I come tell everybody to listen to me killing and you listen carefully. Cause I'm uptown girl, though them sexy. And I'm downtown girl, though them sexy. It's that a new name, they might be get flat. I got the bikini jump up if you brought it black. And if you're healthy and you're ivory, you do the right things in life, don't deal with fuckery. And everybody get to this and then you listen for the sound. Sound on sound on sound microphone. Hey, look the big boy, you must get licked down. Your sound can't deal with my sound and not town. Just ice them out the roughest one around. He had to go down, DB, DB, lay down. Watch me, I watch them, I watch them, I watch me. And everybody come round the party. I'm bring the paper, draw a paper easy. Your pirate on my liver, draw for me style. Now this one dedicated to every man and woman. Move your edge, or your foot up in the combination. Follow me for some everyone, I am me at the down. We sit down, top of the rhythm, we sit down, top of the version. If you deal with you, no tickle, let me hear you, no say bomb, man. Bam, bam, two shots out the gun, man. Bam, bam, my sound number one, man. Bam, bam, come kiss the magnum, man. Bam, bam, who's wife on the town, man. Bam, bam, with the shotgun, run, man. Bam, bam, come jumping up, man. Bam, bam, just like number one, man. Bam, wheel up, come.